Well, hello everyone. How's everyone doing? Hope you've all had amazing weekends. Hallelujah. Big shout out to the Adego K family. Yay. They anchored um, Open Book last week. Auntie did. <laughs> but the whole crew was there, I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe not there with her as she was anchoring per se, but um, they were in the same house and just on a different TV. <laughs> um, hello, Eva. Hope you had a great weekend. What's up, Francis? How you doing, buddy? Uh, Mrs. Renita, good evening. I guess right now it's afternoon, like maybe like um, 2 p.m. maybe, I'm guessing. I'm assuming. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what time. I believe you're based on the East Coast, right? So you might be closer to 3 or 4 p.m., I think. Hallelujah. Can anyone hear me? <laughs> All right, no response. Okay, good evening. There we go. Awesome. Well, let me show my face. Well, hello, everyone. Good evening. My name is Francis de Seabor, and I think my lights are really bright. So I'm going to make a slight adjustment as I begin to show y'all a few heads up things. I have not put up, let me see, there's a graphic I meant to have ready for y'all on here, and that is for our upcoming prayer stretch. Let me make sure that graphic is ready and good to go. But um, before we kick that off, this is word for now. Hallelujah. And um, this has been a very, very um, interesting expression from the Kavadulam community. Um, in, you know, through this portal, um, we trust the Lord for what I would refer to as um, more frequent visitations of the things that he's been dropping our way. And the end goal or the fruit of that is that we would come into a, a stronger grasp, you could say, of some things um, in many different ways. You could also argue that um, this platform brings us, um, gives us opportunity to journey into things that we probably never would have been able to otherwise. So a very enriching platform we're really grateful for. Um, normally, Pastor Francis Seaborn ministers um, during this time, but he's asked me um, to share a bit on it, one, one, of, one or two things um, before he continues to anchor the series. Hallelujah. This is the normal graphic for the meeting. And if you got the invite online, you probably recognize this. I'm going to make the adjustment I mentioned um, earlier on with the brightness because I feel like my skin is a little brighter than. I'm a cinematographer, videographer. I love things looking pretty and nice. So forgive me for being a little... something not a perfectionist anyways <laughs> so um yeah so um i wanted to make a few announcements before we kicked off um the immersion is coming up and um all of y'all know this we've been talking about this now for forever um we've been fasting and praying towards this and uh, my goodness what a blessing it is to be a young person i would always i would see young people experience these conferences and i'd always not jealousy per se, but I always like admire what it would be like to have, you know, people labor over you like this and it's in your past. What I mean by that statement is when you look back on your life, um, you see, you can tell like people labored over you and you get to experience that. And you, you have that anchored in your memory as, oh, this is what my teens were. This, this is what my teenage years were like. We got to have these holy ghost parties and they were amazing and i just think that's fabulous um i 
I don't use the word envy, but at the same time I do. <laughs> envy every young person that gets to enjoy um, these expressions of the Cable Doom community. Um, you are blessed, that's all I have to say. And um, speaking of which, um, all throughout um, the, the moments leading up to the, the Immersion Conference, um, we have been praying. I wanna make sure that's the right one. Yes, we have been praying and fasting for all the young people. So every day, until the 11th so in about roughly a week um so we have a week left of fasting and prayer to do officially um at least on the cable campus as far as we have officially captured so far towards the conference and we are praying every single day from 2 p.m till 4 p.m and um every morning from um 6 a.m till 7 a.m as well not not exactly but we we do pick it up as a prayer point excuse me, then we have vigils every Friday from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., but then we're fasting as well from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Hallelujah. So um, how do I phrase this now? These meetings only work because of the blood of others. Basically, we're living like Jesus, and our goal is to um, allow these young people enter into the labors of others, just like how all of us did. People preach the gospel to our to those who preach the gospel to us, people interceded that we would hear the gospel. And that's why we can even be on this broadcast together. So um, why on earth can we not do the same for others, right? We are not going to be selfish, entitled believers. We're going to be loving, serving, and grateful. Hallelujah. So I'll spread the word. Speaking of spreading the word, we just completed our prayer stretch. Spreading, stretching. Ah, we just completed our prayer stretch. Um, we had a 50-hour prayer stretch um, this last weekend. And it was so much fun. I feel like this is more explosive than a 24 hour one. Um, if you came, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're part of it, especially we had a little bit of a revival hub um, part that lasted for a few hours and that really got everyone going. Everyone was so stirred and equipped and ready to, to seek the Lord, to intercede and to pray. And we're looking forward to our next one, which is happening on Thursday, our 70 hour prayer stretch. This one is going to be a blast. Um, trusting the Lord for you know more preparation so that we can really enjoy this time together as we intercede. We want to you know pray. We want to you know go bank, um, elbows deep into this. Amen. <laughs> we don't want to dodge or um, find some smart way to not be a part of this. Amen. So make yourself available however you can. It's going to be fun. So anyways, um, hmm, I don't know who did this. Okay, that's not me. That's definitely not me. Okay, cool. Oh, Pastor Samson, thank you, sir. That's lovely of you. <laughs> okay, so um, I think I did not share that, did I? That's weird. Oh, I know what happened. I shared this on a different platform. Anyways, so I'm done talking about things that have happened before and things that are about to happen. If you want to get, you know, this there's going to be a whole lot more people on the prayer stretch, um, this upcoming one. So you want to make sure that you i don't know what do you want to make sure you do you want to make sure you come early i guess yeah so that you can reserve your spot because we're expecting a lot more people this time around than before and um we're not just expecting more people because we're spreading the word we're spreading the word so that more people can come what happens is that when there's a lot of people doing something there's this like crowd effect or something um it's kind of like democracy uh, what happens is that there is like this wave or influence i'll say the word spirit behind all of those things. And it's kind of like if everyone in the area is committing sin, you find it very easy to sin in that place. Everyone in the area is holy. You find it very easy to be holy in that place. So 
basically with that crowd effect kind of going on, we want to make sure that everyone is able to plug in the best they can and take advantage of these openings. You know, why not grow in prayer? Why not grow in fasting? Why not, you know, grow in intercession? Why not? You know, you know, um, you can watch your TV shows whenever you can, you can hang out with your friends whenever you can talk on the phone whenever. But how many windows of time do you have for things like this to happen? How often do you see this, these things happening? Um, yes, you can pray whenever you want to. That's the truth. You actually can. But are these opportunities that you take often? If you don't, maybe you should consider that. So um, I don't need to, I'm, I'm not interested in many people coming per se. Um, I am interested in the body maturing and developing. So we will spread the word. But keep in mind that um, there is no specific bias towards like a crowd coming. We know what to do. We want a crowd. Amen. <laughs> There's a way we would uh, market these things, but that's not where we're going. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you have for us. We're so grateful for the recent um, concluded um, prayer stretch. We thank you Lord, for even more things. Thank you for the strength. Lord, you are, you, you watch over us from behind. In the front, you surround us. You are our Yod, our Hey, our Vav, our Hey. We worship you, Jesus. We are in your name. We place ourselves in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, so we've been on a trajectory, right? We've been on this um, wonderful trajectory, this beautiful narrative um, from the um, um, recently concluded, um, not too recently any longer because we're about to get into the final conference of the year, right? Um, we had not too long ago our Watchman Prophetic Conference um, where we, you know, we looked at Christ, the blueprint of the future ages, amen? And something that we investigated thoroughly was that Jesus Christ looked a specific way in each age. And people that looked like Jesus Christ in each age were called prophets, right? And um, what we're looking at is the culture of the prophets. One thing that was brought forth was feasting. And so we, you know, opened up, you know, you know the, the, the floodgates on feasting. And we looked at um, the seven feasts of, of Jerusalem, of Israel, sorry. Um, let me pull those up on the screen so y'all can see them. We looked at Pentecost. We looked at Passover, 11 bread, first fruits, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And the, the purpose behind looking up all of these things is so that we will not be ignorant of these things. We will know what they mean to us in the New Testament. We'll know what they meant to them in the Old Testament. And we can see the reason why is it that we don't see perfect Christians? Why is it that Christians, they get born again, but then they're kind of squirmy and, and weird and not Christ-like and almost demonic and worldly and stuff like that. And we looked at all of those things and we saw that the climax, the fullness of the feasts, amen, is that we become, I got my Ark of the Covenant here, we all come to the Feast of Tabernacles, amen, where the indwelling of God is most manifest and most tangible, amen. The Christian walk is about that which Christ has done that is on the inside of us, fully furnished and finished, amen, being brought out. That's your purpose of your Christian walk in this age. In this age, that is your assignment. If you do not complete that assignment in this age, in the next age, you're going to be doing carryover work, basically. And in the age to come, you'll be doing what your mates did the year, the, the age before. I said the year before, right? And what will be happening is that in future ages, you'll be one age behind. And what would happen then is that you will not be able to be a participant in the current workings of God. Instead, you're going to be like creation experiencing the influence of, of, of the Spirit of God projecting from those who are successfully completing their course. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, right? So that course of the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen, is to bring that which was a hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory, amen, 
to becoming a substance, right? The substance of things hoped for. Hallelujah. And that climax is that the indwelling of God is most tangible, most potent. Now we've explained that in God's, in God's mind, when he envisioned all of these things, when he dreamed all of this out, what God had in mind was that all of humanity would partake of the feasts, right? At that time, the feasts were um, broken down, hallelujah, into the trees of the Garden of Eden, amen, where Adam and, um, and Eve would, would, you know, scatter and really, you know, devour, hallelujah, um, these impartations of the Spirit captured in these um, um, storage uh, modules we can refer to as trees of the Garden of Eden, amen? And as they would feast on these, their eyes would be opened, hallelujah, and the fruit of that is they would become more like God and there would be this progressive transformation process onto a, a climax where it look exactly like Jesus Christ, amen? This was in God's heart. Now, what I wanted to bring to mind by bringing up Adam and Eve was that God's original vision was that um, when they come into that fullness, they'll begin to give birth to children in that full stature and the children would have um will be um will be the the full expression of the tabernacle of god adam and eve would have been like the head of the body if that makes sense um subservience you know submitted to the trinity hallelujah to the godhead hallelujah and they together in partnership with the rest of the body will be able to carry out um the beautiful work of of um bringing forth that which is in the hearts of god bringing forth his image and his likeness, hallelujah. And um, the end goal of all of this is that um, all of creation would eventually bear um, the record, the signature of that incredible thing, which is the image and likeness of God, which Jesus Christ referred to as good. No one is good unless he looks like God, amen? Okay, so, um, sorry, give me one second, beloved, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, hallelujah. All right. Hope everyone understands everything that's been said so far. Amen. Um, I feel like these these things. Um, did anyone hear that? It sounded like theme music. <laughs> okay. Um, these things, they ought to be within reach, very, very easily understood, right? They're not difficult at all. Hallelujah. So um, what would happen to Adam and Eve would have had tabernacle families and tabernacle children. I mean, what I mean by that is that their family unit would have been an, an expression of their image and likeness, but then they would multiply that image of God. So you go from um, the image and likeness of God found in Jesus Christ, and you break it forth. The best picture of this is in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham kind of um, um, received the seed, right? Hallelujah, that seed. And then all throughout God kept on telling him that your seed would you know, save the world. And that seed was communicated to Isaac as a blessing that Abraham imparted to his son. And um, that seed was then, you know, hijacked by Jacob, amen. Um, but then in him, it exploded. That was where the multiplication happened. And then we went from the seed, hallelujah, of Christ into the 12 tribes of Christ, amen. And you see this theme all throughout scripture. You see the 12, um, um, the 12, um, 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 
tribes as the gates of the city of God. You also see that the tree of life had 12 manner of fruits. Amen. And all of these correspond to that multiplication. Amen. The government of God being given ample expression. Hallelujah. And so that's what Adam and Eve were meant to do. They kept keep, you know, keep on multiplying according to this order. So from having 12, they would then break even further, right? From 12, you can read the book of Revelation chapter 7 for even more details on this. But eventually they'll break out into 144,000 unique streams of the nature of God. In that spectrum, okay, in that number, in that, um, yeah, I'm going to use that the word number, right? They'll be able to successfully spell out who God is in his infinite varieties, because from that number 144,000, we can get all the permutations of God, amen? All the tribes of God can spring forth from that arrangement. From then forward, all that's happening is that time is the only thing left. And each of these unique streams of God, each of these tribes, clans, and households, they are bringing forth unique things. Think about that 144,000 as the ideal resolution necessary to view who God is. There's some things you cannot view on a um, 480p screen, amen? There's some things you cannot view on a 720p screen. You need a 4K um, monitor to view some content. You need some, uh, you know, an HD monitor to view some content. So for this purpose, the what is necessary, I would call it the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is captured in that number 144,000. Hallelujah. Now, why am I saying all of these things? Because in that 144,000, you cannot speak about the 144,000 without speaking about the 12 tribes of Israel. And once you introduce the language of tribes, you are speaking about inheritance. You are speaking about heritage, amen? God manifesting through our different ages. In fact, these 12 tribes, hallelujah, which showed up, hallelujah, at some point in Jacob's life, we actually see later on that they're not the only parts of the city of God. Because from these 12 tribes, you also discover that, oh, there's 12 apostles of the Lamb, amen? And people are going to be made pillars in the temple of our God. There is, um, there's the apostles, the foundations, right? There is the, um, the, the, the pillars and then the, the ground of truth, right? So there's all these different parts of this building of the city of God. And throughout the ages, people embody, amen, all of these realities, amen? The, Adam and, the children of Adam and Eve were meant to embody. God's desire at the end of the ages, though, is that a community, amen, of believers scattered all throughout the earth would successfully connect with every single, because for the end to come, it means that there has been enough witnesses. For Jesus Christ to show up, there was sufficient witness of who he was through the prophets so that he could then come in the fullness of times and cap up on everything. I hope this makes sense. The same thing with the finishing generation. Most saints, they look at us in the heavenlies right now, they look at us with great endearment, great amazement. In fact, Jane Lady in her prophecy said that generation that will bring this forth must be a generation of great favor with the Godhead and with the Trinity. Amen. What she was saying was that because they were going to come into the fullness, every single thing, amen, from the beginning of time, amen, to the very end, hallelujah, everything about God ever said before, ever, ever given expression before, ever manifested before, is going to be given expression by the man-child company at the end of the ages, amen? And so what you're going to see is a community of people that are going to bear upon them the mantles of Samson, the good, the good, of course, in Christ, right? Of Abraham, of Solomon, of David, of Enoch, hallelujah, of Melchizedek, of Paul, right? Every single one of them, everything's gonna be poured out at the very end, amen? And it is important to understand that the way this is going to happen is by inheritance, amen? Spiritual inheritance, is so critical, amen? Spiritual inheritance sets you up on a platform with an advantage. 
And I'm going to explain some things, amen, over time to hopefully furnish this thought process, amen, about inheritance, because we are not the only ones that are looking for a climax at the end of the ages. Satan and his cohorts, his agencies, his agents, they have this in mind as well, to bring forth, amen, the gross darkness, amen, from the hearts of men and women. Hallelujah. And to do this, men and women have to plug into their ancestry, to their ancient roots. Maybe I'm, I could just show this to us real quick, amen, because, um, I mean, I've, I've said these things before, right? Um, a major earmark of the end of the ages is what we refer to as the mark of the beast, amen, what we call, you know, term as 666, right? And that, that number is not unique to the book of Revelation. If you look at um, Nebuchadnezzar's statue of the different kingdoms of this world, you would see that that statue had measurements, had numbers, and the numbers were 60 and six, amen? In other words, he was one dimension short of the climax that was the Antichrist, amen? In other words, the Antichrist is a child, right? Of the progenitor that was Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Hallelujah, the image, the man of great brilliance and excellence, um, as Daniel described him in the book of Daniel chapter two. Hallelujah. So when you, when you, um, you know, doubt things back even further, you would see that, oh, this king of Babylon, hallelujah, was not the only one that was looking for a, you know, the, a name um, for himself. You would see that the Tower of Babel, amen, um, you, know, con, you know, had individuals that landed in a place called Shinar. That's, you know, um, um, where, ba where Babylon is, right? And um, they began um, to build um, a temple, a tabernacle. It, and again, when we talk about people building, don't restrict um, the, the, the lives of, you know, of, of ancient um, um, people to being um, barbaric, amen, and primitive, amen. Many of these people were more sophisticated than we are right now. If you do research on things like the pyramids and how they were constructed, you discover that the pyramids were actually designed in alignment with constellations in the heavenlies. And the severity of their alignment is so fierce that you can see them when drawn according to scale of being only mere centimeters out of alignment. In other words, the people that were building the, the pyramids, they were building the pyramids to map out something that was seen somewhere else. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Um, you would see, um, you know, how could they have done that when they didn't have periscopes, when they didn't have telescopes, sorry. Hallelujah. How, how uh, people would even ask, how could the pyramids even have been built back then? Amen. As many fun questions and many fun answers, right? You would look at the grave clothes of mummies and you'd ask very interesting questions because the stitching patterns that were used on these grave clothes they cannot be replicated with today's technology. We just see them and we wonder how they were able to accomplish this. You would see things like, um, you know, uh, Roman, Roman um, Colosseums and the different, you know, incredible um, architectural pieces that that civilization birthed. And you would see things that we cannot today reproduce. Those buildings will not pass modern safety standards. And yet they've been upright for millennia. Amen showing that the people that we think are not as sophisticated as we are might know a few things, amen? Uh, you know, I would always argue that each civilization has its own form of technology. And we just have to understand that, that Africans and, and Europeans are completely different civilizations. Yes, they're all, you know, 
um, subsets of, of this world of Babylon civilization. That is the truth because Babylon functions as an empire, as a system of empires. And the empires are used to shepherd human humanity, human civilization. So whatever direction humanity is going in, it is kind of like steering it, okay? By making sure that the, the course of this world is, um, is um, administered hallelujah, through all these civilizations. So you see dark princes spearheading the rulership, the administration of this, um, of this um, um, administration of this, sorry, had a conversation with someone about hell this morning and um, the guy that did the video just responded to me. So he sent me messages and I'm trying to focus, amen. Hallelujah. So um, you would see the kingdoms of this world stewarding um, how these empires would function, how long they would last for, the scope, their reach, the way they govern and stuff like that, all with the intent that humanity will successfully digest a specific measure of Satan's dominion over them. Amen. And this has been the case for millennia. This is not new to today. This has been the case in the beginning of this age. What's just happened now, you've seen the Lord in his mercy and wisdom step in with things like the flood where almost everything was undone. And then they resuscitated everything with the Tower of Babel, amen, with people like Nimrod, a very, very um, sharpshooter, amen. And even that was also crushed. But then at the same time, humanity began the primitive steps of uncovering its ancient heritage of rebellion against God. You know, this is something that we have to learn, you know. Isaac kept on digging the wells of his fathers. Amen. These people, they are digging the wells of their ancestors. I'm talking about the ancestors according to the flesh. Evil, evil, evil people, right? People that hate God. I want to show us some of these people, amen, so that we can understand a few things, amen. Let's take a look real quick at the book of Genesis chapter 4. Hallelujah. There's a man in this story um, worth looking at. Adam knew his wife, and she conceived the more Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Now we know what happens with this man. He disobeys God. Amen. The Lord says, Cain, why are you angry? And later on, he kills his brother. And um, if we read from verse 13, we see that Cain is also a progenitor of the mark of the beast. When he says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Amen. What does this mean? Cain broke into, amen, Cain's um, 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 persistence was worth that of seven men. Amen. That's what that statement there meant. It simply meant here that Cain came into the, um, for lack of better words, his electoral count was seven times that of, um, of any average man. Okay. So because of that, anyone that killed him, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord sets a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And I dare say the Lord did not set that mark on Cain. Amen. I'm saying that because of a little bit of understanding that the scriptures give in future verses, like in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when the Bible speaks about God sending strong delusion. God cannot send strong delusion. Amen. God cannot tempt anyone. God cannot make anyone disobey him. Amen. Even when the Bible says that God hardens the hearts of people. Amen. If you understand the process, the scripture is capturing as the hardening of people's hearts by the Lord. 
amen, you would see that God is not actually hardening anyone's heart. Happening that God is trying to soften their hearts. But when you already when your heart is already hard towards God, every attempt by the Lord, amen, to soften your heart is going to be fought by that hardness of heart. Therefore, hardening your heart even more to ensure that you do not experience the softening of the Lord, right? What happened with Adam and Eve? God came into the garden looking for Adam and Eve. What did they do? They hid themselves from God. Amen. When they heard his voice. So he came looking for them. So he wanted to find them. They wanted to get lost. You see in the picture? Okay. So um, God is trying to do something good. We then, because of sin, try to fight what he's doing and do the, therefore the opposite happens. Does that make sense? So instead of Adam and Eve being found, they remain lost, declaring that they went to hide themselves from him, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Amen. Why are you, where can you hide from God, right? David knew this. Okay. The Lord said to him, who kills him? And Lord said, so King went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in, a, in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Okay. So Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bare Enoch. Now Enoch means discipline or doctrine. Okay, so Enoch, so Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Now, not only is this a telling of what happened in Cain's life physically, but this can also be seen as an allegory of what happened in Cain's heart. You know, the Bible explains that um, Cain had something in his heart called sin. Amen. And the Bible says that when sin has conceived, it brings forth death. Death doesn't mean that you cease to exist. Death is a kind of life, amen, that destroys or fights or extinguishes the life of God inside of you, amen. For death to be able to properly extinguish the life of God inside of you, it needs you to sin. So therefore, the sting of death is sin. Hallelujah. So Cain, hallelujah, knew his wife and they brought forth a child of death, amen. But that child of death was discipline. It was culture. It was way of life. It was doctrine. It was wisdom on how to do things. Amen. I am not pulling at words. I am hoping that you can see that ancient Hebrew literature, amen, is very dense and requires a lot of meditation so that the things couched in it can be unpacked. After a while of reading things over and over and over and over and over again, using the source material alone, I want to emphasize something. If you read the scriptures, and you bring in material from somewhere else and you use that to engage the scripture, do not be surprised, amen? If you and the person who are meditating on scripture alone end up in different destinations, you need to honestly honor the purity of the scripture alone. Don't even try and bring in what you think it is saying. Just meditate on the scripture alone and then you begin to see visions. Don't try to see visions by yourself. Just engage the scripture alone knocking on the door what does that mean so a hard posture of spending time praying in the holy spirit asking the lord what does this mean and when you're doing that you are combing through the scriptures repeatedly maybe you go on a fast maybe you pray you spend time in the word and you saturate yourself extensively with what you are looking for 
So those scriptures, you make sure you're not unfamiliar with them. You search them out through and through. There's so many tools that can help you do this now, right? You have the concordance, you have cross-references, right? You have the Encyclopedia of Biblical Words, you have Strong's, right? You have the other dude, I can't remember his name, um, but whatever his name is, he's a really good guy too, amen? You can use all these resources. These are simply language resources. So you're just learning how to speak Hebrew and Greek, right? Or learning how to understand or play around with Hebrew and Greek, okay? And the cross-references are about verses that are saying similar things. So you use cross-references, the TSKA is a good one, and you use Strong's Concordance and different things to map out what else in the Bible is pointing to this thing. And when you have fully exhausted the entire counsel of God revealed in the scripture, right? Revealed in the written word of God, you wanna make sure you start here first. When you have finished exhausting this as a resource, you then put everything that you have exhausted into your heart and you begin to engage ferociously. What does this mean? You paint out scenarios with your imagination or in your notebooks, you draw, you sing, you chant, you pray, you meditate over and over and over and over again. What is the end goal? To know God, amen? And what would happen is that over time, as you keep on leaning in, one day at God's own timing, everything will open up. Remember when God began to show me things about Cain? I was not asking him for things about Cain, amen? I wasn't asking him for anything about the Antichrist. What happened was that I was on a prayer retreat. I was praying about something. And then questions I'd asked before, answers began to flood in, amen? And sometimes God, you might not even have asked the questions and God will just give you answers. I don't even, I'm thinking now, did, did I really ask God about Cain? I don't remember if I did. This verses I definitely asked the Lord about, amen? Okay, I just wanna make sure that no one is thinking I'm using any ex extra biblical source material. Everything I'm, I'm speaking now to you now is literally from the scriptures. I'm not coming from anywhere else. I'm not listening to some guru somewhere, amen. I do listen to people to see whether they're in the same lane as I am, to kind of like bounce things off, and, you know, off, off of them or whatever. Like I'll listen to many people who I've, I've heard say some things that sound like the things that I see the Lord showing me. And sometimes what they're saying is in line with what I'm saying. Sometimes they're using different words. I listen to find out what exactly they're saying, not the word that they're using, amen. Okay, so. I hope I've given a, an exhaustive explanation on the processes, on how these things are brought forth. You need to spend a lot of time in the scripture, amen? And I say this, when I say exhaustively, you need to spend a lot of time. And there needs to be some primary context first on how to read the Bible, right? What is the purpose of the scripture? If these things are foreign to you, then you probably need to start with that first, right? Find out that God loves you, get established in all of these things, amen? Discern the character of God from scripture. Everywhere you're reading in the Bible, Make sure his you're consistently reading things through his character. Once you've mastered some of those filters and lenses that you're meant to use to read the scripture, then you can read the scripture, right? So that way you're reading your Bible and you're not really looking for the Antichrist per se, you're looking for Christ in the mix of all these things. And when Christ, the light is shining, you would see what else is in the room, right? You see the Antichrist, you see other things here and there, you see history, you see the past, you see the present, you see the future. Okay. So when I say that Cain's son, hallelujah, amen, is Enoch, discipline, doctrine, okay, I'm speaking from the Hebrew, that's what those, all those words I mentioned, check the original Hebrew, that's what that means, amen, he built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch, do you see why I'm saying what I'm saying, so if he built a city and called out the name of his son, Enoch, then there's clearly some kind of, I explained civilization, I explained culture, I said those words before, right, I explained doctrine, I explained way of life, I said, um, I'm disciplined, right? I explained civilization. 
These were things, amen, that the word Enoch captures. Now, for him to build a city and call it those, it's saying a lot, amen. You don't see the scriptures in the Old Testament talking about whether Adam and Eve had navels. But the things you do see are very, very important. And it is through these you unlock the rest of the picture, amen. Jewish meditative literature, like the book of Genesis from, verses one, from chapters 1 through 11, amen, requires that you work in a very small space and use the, the, the tools given to you as keys to unlock the rest of the spaces, amen. If you don't understand the script um, principle, you would think that you know what happened in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Most believers have no idea what happened, amen. And I'm saying that because we think Adam was in a physical garden, amen or a metaphysical garden, or a mystical garden, amen? And there were trees there, amen? Prophetically, you can have experiences where you visit places like that. I have, I've had those experiences before, amen? Quite a few of them, if I must say, amen? And, but I know, I know what the Bible is saying. Does that make sense? Just because I had a prophetic encounter doesn't mean I'm going to dismiss what the Bible is saying. I'm going to subject my prophetic experience to the scripture. Now, use the imagery used in prophetic experiences to kind of find out where in scripture God is, you know, I'm speaking from, if that makes sense, or the language that, you know, the Holy Spirit is using. I hope someone is learning from all of this. Hallelujah. If not, well, maybe if you put this in your Ron's files, and then later on, <laughs> you would um, understand. Hallelujah. So, so Enoch was born Irad. So here we have a civilization and a culture called Enoch. Okay. Now there's Irad, there's Mahujael, there's Methushael. And then there is Lamech. Hallelujah. Now, you know, when you read these portions of scripture, it is very important that we understand that the scripture isn't being, isn't throwing words around, if that makes sense. There is a reason why the Bible is specifying all of these things. If the Bible isn't talking about things that we will consider important, then I think it's fair to say that the things that the Bible is talking about, it does consider to be important. Amen. The name Lamech means much, amen, or powerful, amen. It means like explosion, amen. From Lamech, you're going to see what Cain was looking for, kind of like how in Noah and in Enoch, what Adam was looking for was found, amen. I explained these in the, in the messages from last week, so you can go back in there and look them up, amen. So looking at, at Lamech here, the Bible says here that Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada. The second one was named Zila. Isn't that cool? He has an alpha and omega of women. <laughs> and Ada bore him Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Hmm. His brother's name was Jubal. Hmm. He was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Hmm. And as for Zilla, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in brass or bronze and iron. <sighs> and a sister of Tubal Cain was Nema. Can I say something that would help you when you're reading the Bible? God letting you know, amen, what looks like professions, amen, or lifestyles of these people is not going to help you understand what the Bible is saying here the way we think it would, amen. Let me tell you something. The lifestyle decisions that you're seeing captured here, the ones we just read about being a keeper of sheep or, or someone that tends to livestock, right? The first son, hallelujah, was Jubal. What does he do? He was a father of all those who, pay, who play the harp and the flute. 
Do you know how scary that is? Sorry, the first one, Ada bore Jabel. It was the father of those who dwell in tents. Beloved, the Hebrew word for tabernacle and the Hebrew word for tent are the exact same thing. Amen. So it could have been rendered like this. Because we don't see it in English, we don't get the hyperlinks. Amen. What he is saying here is that Adar gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in temples. And they have livestock. What do you use livestock for in temples, beloved? For sacrifices. So this young man here, Jabal, he was a teacher of people that knew how to offer sacrifices, that knew how to activate temples. Everything I'm going to be showing you is how every single profession you see in Genesis chapter 4, amen, is not indicating to you how they ate food, but instead it is a reflection of their spiritual interactions. Completely different scope here. Speaking slowly, in case you haven't noticed. Amen. They dwell in tabernacles and they have livestock. Okay, what does that mean? They're offering sacrifices. So, Jabal, amen, taught people. Amen. His entire family line. Can you see he was a father of those? His entire family line were, twent, were tent dwellers, they were priests. Okay. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Now, when you hear this, you might not have context for this, amen, but the harp is a tool of worship. I'm going to show this to us in the book of Revelations chapter 5. Hallelujah. Let's start from verse, I believe this is verse, not 6, 8. Concerning Jesus, when he had taken the scroll, amen, the four living creatures, hallelujah, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. So what I'm trying to show you here, hallelujah, is that this young man here, young Mr. Um, I guess scary, your beloved, young Mr. Jubal who was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute, amen? Notice how when we check the book of Revelations, amen? Just now, we just looked at Revelation just now, Revelation chapter five, we saw that the cherubim, amen, the living creatures, they all had harps. Do you know who has flutes also? If you go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, hallelujah. You're going to see in Ezekiel 28 from verse 13, concerning the cherubim, amen? Says here, you were in Eden. This is about a cherubim called Lucifer specifically or Halel. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you, prepared for you in the day you were created. Amen. What are timbrels? What are pipes? Amen. These are percussion and wind instruments. I think you can guess where we're going with that, right? If you're someone that you're still wondering what we're talking about, I'm explaining to us what the flute is, amen? These were things that were built into cherubim to offer up incense to God, amen? 
These are priestly instruments. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say something that's going to help you. Amen. Inside of you, hallelujah, are all of the things that you saw in Lucifer and Ezekiel 28. Amen. All of us have um, tabernacle items. We all have tabrets. We all have flutes inside of us, right? You look at your windpipe, beloved. Your heart is beating. Amen. Hallelujah. You're going to look at your vocal cords. Amen. You're looking at um, um, the other other ways or mannerisms through which you you um, you 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 worship God. Amen. Apart from singing and dancing and engaging with your heart. Amen. Things like the way your neurons are firing and even the way your soul functions. Amen. You're going to see all of these mapped out. Hallelujah. As instruments of worship unto God. Mama taught about this during the last um, Lamb's Wife retreat when she explained that every part of the sacrifices brought to the priest has some service to God. Some parts were used as wave offerings. Some parts were meant to be eaten by the priest. Some parts were meant to be burnt on the altar before God. What are these corresponding to um, for us in the New Testament? These are a picture of the different parts of our bodies, amen? Um, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, right, amen? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Everywhere the soles of your feet touches, hallelujah, belongs to the Lord. Amen. Basically, the different parts of your body, amen, are not for fornication according to the scriptures, but for God. Amen. Okay. Let's keep this party going. It says here, his brother's name was Jubal, the father of all those who played the harp and the flute. So we can tell that this man was a priestly artificer. Obviously, he came into a place of creativity. That is pretty clear, right? Worship and creativity are synonymous. When the tabernacle was about to be built, the seven spirits of God were poured out upon Aholiab and, and, um, and um, what's his name, Bezalel, and among and poured out upon other artificers and upon many women. And they became very skillful in craftsmanship. The women could you know, sew amazing dresses for the high priest and his different outfits and and attire and um, the artificers could you know, sculpt and craft and, and do all kinds of incredible things that they could not do before, even though they were already skillful in artisanry, amen? And all of these came, why? Because a temple was about to be built. Dare I say, whenever God is building, there is new technology that comes to the front, amen? There's new creativity that comes to the front. That's what technology and, and creativity are for, amen? So that God's voice can be heard, amen? But these things are released to all of creation, whether fallen or not. That's why we can use fallen tools, amen, to still glorify God in a measure, amen. So you're going to see these fallen men, amen, instead of using these tools to glorify God, instead they are being used to fulfill their own agenda, just like how the human body, the human soul, the human mind, the human heart, the human spirit were meant to worship God. They're currently being used by those in rebellion to God to do other things, <laughs> amen? Tools that God gave them, they're being used for other things. God's tools can be used to do whatever you want. You can use God's blessings to fight him if you want to. You won't succeed, you're gonna hurt yourself, but you can try and in your eyes, you'll be successful. And the worst part about the success um, that Satan gives to us is that we don't realize that it doesn't exist until it's too late, amen? As for Zila, she bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. Now, it is when we get to this place of bronze and iron or brass and iron that we begin to see just how scary what is happening here is. Now, to help us out, 
we're going to take a, a look at a few things. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 48. Please don't fall into the trap of thinking that the Bible is a book that is shallow. People say the gospel is simple. That doesn't mean that the Bible is shallow. People say that God is easy. That doesn't mean that the Bible is shallow. Don't come up with, don't use one word, don't just vomit something impulsively and use that to justify yourself. And then you now anchor, you know, things like your current spiritual estate, amen, and the future of your walk with God on things that you just release impulsively or maybe a little bit of agitation or a little bit of confusion just because you didn't exercise yourself a little bit more because you're distracted by work or you're distracted by things you have to do in life. That doesn't mean you shouldn't make progress as a believer, amen? What you can do is put these things in a place I like to call Ron's files. And then later on, you can pull them out and then engage them, amen? Hallelujah. So if you don't understand anything, write them down, come back to the message, look them over, check the Bible. Having a conversation with this guy who doesn't believe that people are burning in hell, amen? He's really convinced. And I showed him some scriptures. He said, I also have scriptures too. In my mind, I'm like, so do, do Satanists. So did Satan. It is what the Bible is actually saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Probably going to use that on him later on. Amen. Hallelujah. He's, he has a very large inf, um, sphere of influence, and he really believes that hell is not real um, or that people are not burning in hell. Some funny, funny argument. And I'm just like, you need to read your Bible without the lens of California. Because I knew that you were obstinate. And your neck was an iron sinew, and your brow was made of bronze. Now, we're looking at artifices of bronze and iron. Let's look at this one more time, okay? I knew that you were obstinate. What does that mean? Anyone here know what obstinate means? Obstinate means someone stubborn. Amen? <laughs> your neck was an iron sinew, and your brow was made of bronze. So... Basically, an iron sign you, okay? It means you can't turn your neck, right? It's made of iron. You can't move it. No matter how hard you turn, it's stuck there. Iron. Then your brow, amen, is made of bronze. That means that what? It's so heavy, you can't see. You're trying to look up, but you can't, okay? This speaks of um, what you call a frustration or difficulty in interacting with God. Deuteronomy chapter 28 from verse 23 to 24 is going to paint the scripture a little bit more clearly so we can actually see what the Bible is saying. And so it won't look like I'm pulling things up out of my butt. Amen. Your heavens which are over you shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. So artificers of bronze and iron, they have this goal in mind. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust from the heaven it shall come down until you are destroyed now let me show this to us in leviticus chapter 26 from verse 14 is anyone understanding this if you do not obey me and you do not observe all of these commandments if you despise my statutes of your soul abhors my judgment so you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant i will do this to you i will even appoint terror over you Wasting disease and fever, which shall consume your eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Hmm. I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Hmm. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. Hmm. 
after this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Remember that Cain came into a sevenfold anointing as well. What does the seven, sevenfold thing look like? I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth will become like bronze. Your strength shall be spent in vain for your land will not yield its produce, nor shall the tree of the land yield their fruits. What's happening? The heavens are brass, no dew of heaven, no rain. So when God speaks to you in seed form, it is sown into your heart, but then your heart is made of iron. And even if somehow you're able to break the fallow ground, the heavens above are made of brass. There's so many more verses that I can use to show this to us. Amen. It's in 2 Kings 25 from verse 6 through 7. Amen. They put out the eyes of Zedekiah and they bound him with fetters of, of brass. This speaks of what? Blindness. Amen. When the heavens are brass, you are blind. Amen. When the earth is made of iron. Amen. It means God's word cannot go deep into your, your soul. Your, the eyes of your understanding are not being enlightened. Amen. Um, let's see here. I think Samson endured the same thing as well. But here's another verse, Lamentations 2, verse 9. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He had destroyed and broken her bars. Her king, oh, no, sorry, this is not the one, sorry. Samson, there we go. Um, Judges 16, verse 21. The Philistines took Samson, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Why is it that every time we talk about blinding people, you see brass in the scriptures. Why is the Bible always that specific? Because the language, amen, the design language introduced in scripture, amen, there is, that there is a, you know, I explained this a few months ago about um, um, reading the scroll, that we don't just read letters, we also read themes in the scriptures, amen. So when I say um, something like, Shebe you they wine me, okay? I am not just, it's not that sequence of words by itself, amen, is not what I'm getting at here. I'm making reference to something, a stupid song, amen? Once you hear that sequence and it is familiar to you, you know exactly what I'm making reference to, amen? So I can use that as an expression to point to something else. Does that make sense? These are what, how idioms work. Um, you will see something like, dude, I need to go online, amen? Hallelujah someone who is unfamiliar with how the internet works or the lingo that we use will be wondering is he going to hang his clothes outside on the clothing line is he going to queue for something maybe to go and get these gigabytes he's looking for maybe he wants to go and queue somewhere you get what i'm saying all right i think um many of us are getting the message even though there's no responding <laughs> hallelujah so he was an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron, and the sister of Tubal came was Nema. Nema's that name of Nema it means beautiful. Hallelujah. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I've killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy sevenfold. What is, what is the Bible showing us here? Cain broke into something demonic, amen, when he killed his brother Abel. And then what happened was that that demonic thing that made him kill his brother 
wasn't done yet. Amen. That was just one expression of a lifestyle that he needed to give expression to. And when he left the presence of God, he was able to find a habitat called Nod, wandering. Okay. As he began to wander and wander and wander in his soul, he brought forth a way of life called Enoch. Amen. A discipline, a tutelage. Amen. A doctrine, a culture. Amen. And he built, he institutionalized Enoch. Amen. Built a city called Enoch. And from Enoch, he began to give birth to children in that abode, in that context, teaching all of his children how to rebel against God. In the process of time, after two or three generations, he brought forth a son called Lamech, amen, who took everything that Cain did to the next level. And through him, he gave birth to even deadlier children than Cain did. He gave birth to his first son, Again, from the beginning, we're going to look at their names. His first son, hallelujah, was Jabal, a tent dweller. So you have those that are Orthodox priests, right? The priesthood of Satan, amen? One of Lamech's children, they came into this, you know, the, 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 the doctrine, the ordinances of how to serve Satan successfully, how to live a life separate from God. It was being charted out by Jabal, okay? As a priesthood, as a way, as a way of worship, all right? Not just there. Okay, if we keep on going, we're going to see someone called um, uh, um, Jubal, the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. From here, you bring forth what? The joy, the pleasures, the creativity of a life of rebellion against God, the sophistication, the wisdom, the advancement, the technology of rebelling against God. I would always tell people this, that people think that lying is instinctive. That cheating is instinctive. That homosexuality is instinctive. You need to journey through layers of decadence to arrive at some sins. Amen? Something like homosexuality means that you have gone really, really far. It's always existed because humanity has always been really, really far. Amen? Hallelujah. But that doesn't negate the fact that you still have to go. Right now, where we're getting to right now is somewhere along the lines of um, bestiality and, you know, like self-pleasuring using machines and stuff like that. Amen? That level of darkness and wickedness. Hallelujah. And all of these things are in generations. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, I'm saying all these things because this man, J Jubal, came into the creativity, amen, of a life of rebellion to God. But that is not all. All right. She brought forth Tubal Cain, <laughs> an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So, not only did they solidify, amen, their own fortress. This isn't about fortifying their life. The language shown here is a militant force. Can everyone see this? Cain had not only developed his civilization, amen, his civilization was getting to the place of multiplication. They were going to come to the place where they could begin to indoctrinate other people. To do this, the ordinances, the language, the doctrine, amen, the order said the priesthood of rebellion against God was being taught by his first son. His second son was now to show what? The creativity, the wisdom. Remember when um, Eve saw the tree of knowledge and evil? Able to make one wise. That appeal was what the next child was bringing forth. Amen. The next child, Tubal Cain, all right? His portion, the virtue, the unique gene, what he was bringing to the table, amen, was that you're going to not be able to hear God's voice when you're rebelling against him. How? He is going to shut off 
the heavens and block, amen, harden your heart so that you'll be obstinate as well. So that when God is telling you, repent, repent, Subokane has taught you how to be stubborn. So when you want to turn and return to God, it is so hard to repent. Are you seeing the intentionality, amen, in, in grooming, amen, different facets, amen, of our spiritual heritage. You see how important this is? Do something. This thing is happening today. We'll get into that probably the next time, amen, on Wednesday. Hallelujah. So you're seeing the sophistication of these children of Cain, right? Every craftsman in bronze and iron and the sister of Tubal Cain was a girl called Neymar. Do you know what Neymar means? Beautiful. Neymar was now the climax of everything, the allure. Bible says when Esau, it was good for food. Beautiful, right? Perfect in beauty. She brought forth the refinement. You know what all these children of, of, of uh, what's his name? Of um, this dude, of Lamech were? The children of Lamech, beloved, they were apostles, amen? They're like gates of the civilization of Satan, amen? And what they came, what they were there to do was to invade the camp of the sons of God that were on the earth. You're going to see them in a second, amen? And they were meant to what? Harvest them. You know, they were mostly successful. If you look at the language in scripture, amen, you discover that in the days of Noah, beloved, amen, the only people that were seeking God were Noah himself and maybe Methuselah. And I say that because Methuselah's life was a prophetic life. When Enoch, um, um, whatchamacallit, Enoch prophesied about um, the coming flood, um, according to Jewish folklore, amen? And one of the things that was said was that um, Methuselah's name, if you check his name, it actually means that in his dying, all right? Um, his death means the end of something, hallelujah. And so Methuselah's death was the year that Methuselah died was the year that the flood happened, amen? This is like in Jewish folklore, amen? I haven't read this, <laughs> hallelujah. I just heard many people talk about things, amen? Hallelujah. So you would, um, you would see all of these things and you put everything together and you see that the language in Genesis chapter six, let's just go there real quick so we can see some things, amen. Now, why I say things like I don't read Jewish um, actually biblical writing and I don't read like things like the book of Enoch and all these things because many of the things that I believe in, they contradict, amen. So I don't read them not just because um, I also will read them because they contradict what I believe God is showing me. Does that make sense? So maybe that's also why the Lord won't let me read them. Okay. Came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth that daughters were born to them. Now, you can tell from the scriptures that daughters have been born to men from the very beginning. If you read Genesis chapter 5, let's just go there real quick, okay? We can see this. I don't need to open the Bible because Cain married a woman. Where did that woman come from? She was a descendant of Adam and Eve. Seth married a woman. Where did that woman come from? A descendant of Adam and Eve. Seth's brothers and sisters, where did they come from? They were all descendants of Adam and Eve. Where did their spouses come from? Descendants of Adam and Eve, amen? At, that, at this point in time, lust was not, did not really exist on the earth, amen? So things like incest were not, that sin could not have been committed yet, amen? Even in the family of Cain, that sin had not yet manifested. The first time you start seeing this, anything like lust showing up is with um, this dude, Lamech, when he married two wives. That was when it looked like lust was beginning to form, amen? With Neymar, probably, okay? 
I'm, I'm describing to you a world where sin was not as ubiquitous. That was weird. As ubiquitous as we think it is. There was once a time when sinning was hard. I can show this to you in the scriptures. It's just that it requires that you believe what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't have too many scriptures to, to explain this all you know, thoroughly. But when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born to them. This are not, not that I have scriptures. I have scripture, but it would take a lot of time. That's the truth. Because we have to go from Bible verse to Bible verse to Bible verse. And you have to agree on some specific, um, um, there has to be some things that we agree on, basically, that the earth was like this because the scripture says this and the scripture says this. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born to them. So we've seen here that this is not unique to when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, right? From the days of Adam and Eve. Once Adam and Eve had children, daughters were born to them, okay? The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives of themselves for whom they chose. The Bible says that angels cannot marry and are not given in marriage. So either this taking wives means something prophetic, which it definitely is, or the people son, referred to as sons of God are not angels, as many Jewish um, books of literature say. Now, what I always look at is I always tell people when it comes to this portion of scripture, I agree with all I agree that the sons of God were angels. You can go with that too. But if the sons of God are angels, and that place where it says they took wives for themselves cannot be a man that they physically got married to them. And I'll explain to you why. Because the Bible says that angels are not married and are not given in marriage. Amen? It's in the Bible. Jesus Christ himself said that with his mouth. Okay, angels cannot marry. Someone say, says, what, what, I know. spirit husband. Spirit husband is a lie. Let's say it again. Spirit husband is a lie. Amen? Your belief system, amen, can bring forth. You can actually chart a, an entire human being out of yourself if you want to by a belief system. Amen. Spirit husband, spirit wife is a lie. I'm going to say it again, it's a lie. And a man of God lay hands on someone and a supposed spirit child disappeared. Amen. Spirit children are a lie. It doesn't matter even if you have physical tokens, a lie is still a lie. Okay. So the um, daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all them which they chose, okay? And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown, amen? And the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great, amen? And blah, 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 blah. Basically, the language in scripture shows us that. Basically, everyone on the earth was messed up at this point in time, except for Noah, right? Now, the question now is, how did people get messed up? Is it because angels had sex with women and they gave birth to giants? If you believe that, amen, you have to critically follow that thought process all the way through. Because if that is the reason why all the human beings on the earth got messed up, then what happened to Noah's brothers and sisters? Why did they abandon God? Is anyone listening? Have you noticed that, how many of you know that Noah had brothers and sisters? If you believe that Noah had brothers and sisters in this chat room, I want you to respond with a yes. If you do not believe, respond with a no. Interesting. Is it that no one is listening to me? Am I muted? <laughs> the question was, do you believe that Noah had brothers and sisters? Okay, some people left. Okay, gotcha. 
<laughs> it's better to leave that to answer the question. Yes, can have brothers and sisters? That's good. Okay. Yes, we. Yes, he did. Good. Okay, cool. So let me ask you a question. Is it that Noah's brothers and sisters were also children of angels that had sex with women? So let me explain to us like this, amen? The narrative of the, of the, the picture that we have here that angels came and had sex with women and everyone they gave birth to were giants. And because of, there were so many giants on the earth, they married and married and married, married okay? That, that thought process, I don't care how many books agree with that, amen? That thought process, if you carry it all the way through the Bible, it falls apart very, very quickly. Amen. So I'm going to say this without fear of what any man of God says. Amen. Can I say something? I am not afraid of a man of God that disagrees with me. I'm not afraid if you have a big man of God that says what, that, the opposite of what I'm saying. You know why? I, do, I don't care. It's not by truth, not established by what a man of God says. Truth is established by the scriptures. Amen. A man of God's authority, amen, helps us to give credence to what he is saying because we trust that he's faithful with the scriptures. This is also why I show us things from the Bible. I don't show things based on me. I want us to see them in the Bible. Does that make sense? Let me say it like this, amen. I'm not answering this phone call. A better picture of seeing what, of seeing what happened here, amen, is that angels came into covenant with people. That is the best explanation for the sons of God being angels, that they came into covenant, amen, covenants with people. And through these covenants, the children that were born from normal marriages were then offered to these angels. Kind of like um, this dude, um, they said that they dipped Achilles in the river Styx, right? According to Greek mythology, amen? So you can see, for example, amen, how human beings would, you know, um, have intercourse, for example, in a dark temple and offer up the children born, amen, on an altar to a fallen deity, amen? The fruits of that is a monster, okay? We can see that happening, amen? That makes a lot more sense than telling me that angels came and slept with women and because of that, God is upset at humanity and all, how about the men that were there? Did they just die? Did all the human beings die except for Methuselah and, and, King, and Noah's dad? It doesn't hold up. Like, who, is anyone listening? I know some of you are not, but is anyone here listening? Like, that, that reality doesn't, that really doesn't hold up, like, properly. Amen? A better narrative. Please, you can go back home, read the scripture, and think through. Empty yourself of what you think happened, and let the scripture instruct you. Now, when the scripture instructs you, you think critically using the information the scriptures give you. The problem is that we, we rely too much on what men of God say. And we don't allow the scripture to speak for itself. We only allow scripture to be an echo of what men of God have said. So because of that, we can't get anything new. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to kind of round up on this. Amen. What I'm trying to show all of us here, amen, is that there was a period of time, amen, when there were sons of God. Men were calling upon the name of the Lord. We explained this last time we met, amen, on Wednesday last week, amen, because of Seth. Because of Enos, amen, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And a community of people that were seeking God was birthed. People like Enoch, people like Methuselah, amen. People like um, Lamech on Adam's side, amen, on Abel, on um, Seth's side, sorry. People like Enos, amen. All of these people were seeking God here. But at the same time, in the land of Nod, east of Eden, were people like Cain, amen, who were not seeking God, amen, who were not pursuing the Lord, amen. What were they doing? They were digging deep into the priesthood of Cain, their father. Amen. 
and they were digging the wells of Cain. And you have men, amen, like, um, like, like Lamech, amen, who came into a sevenfold authority of what Cain had. And by doing that, he birthed, he brought forth, amen, scarier children than what Cain could bring forth. And these children, amen, were now released. They, their doctrine, their way of life, the purpose of their being born was an attack on the seekers of God. The same way that what Cain did, amen, was launch an attack against Abel, a seeker of God. Can you see genealogies at play here? Can you see bloodlines at play here? Because Seth, according to Eve, was a son that was given to her in the place of Abel. So that's Abel gene. The gene of Cain is trying to kill it. Is everyone seeing this? And so what you see is a grooming over several generations, amen? A maturity over several generations of a seed, amen? Of genes, amen? That have been multiplied in the, in the bloodline of Cain and then in the bloodline of Seth, amen? Crystallized in Noah, amen? The one that will bring comfort. And what you end up with, hallelujah, is a warfare between the crystallization, amen? Of the seed, amen? That was in Noah, whose generations were pure, who found grace in the sights of God, and the seed, the bloodline of Cain, amen, who made covenants with evil spirits, amen. This is why I say I agree with both. I agree that the sons of God were fallen men or fallen angels. I agree the sons of God were also the children of Seth. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Just set that aside. We'll discuss that in the next, next um, word for now. Amen. This might be a little difficult to understand, but please stay with me. And if you don't understand things, don't be afraid to listen again. Amen. And get your notebooks out and really map out everything that's being said. And you can ask questions. So that's the scariest thing to do in humanity. Amen. When you're in school. But I'm going to round up with this. Amen. Jesus Christ said, in the period of time when he's returning to the earth, it is going to be like it was in the days of Noah. What does that mean? You are going to see Lamex rise up again. You are going to see Tubal Cain's. You are going to see Ada's, Jubal's, and Jabal's. You are going to see Neymar. Amen. You are going to see the beauty of Satan's life. You are going to see the technology and the creativity of Satan's life. You are going to see the priesthood of Satan's life. And you are going to see that the fruit of this, the you know, interaction with any of these ecosystems, amen, is a blockage from the things of God, where your heavens become brass and your earth becomes iron. You come into a stubbornness, inability to respond to God because of your interactions, amen, because of the rise of Lamex. Hallelujah. I hope you can see the picture here, amen. Hallelujah. If we as believers do not take the work of heritage seriously, the work of feasting seriously, amen, you're going to see an, a, a, a force that's going to be unleashed on this earth that does take heritage seriously, but they're not on your side. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to discover that many of your, yourselves and your children, amen, will be swept up in the wave of gross darkness that will hit the earth. But the decree of the Lord for that period of time is arise and shine. Hallelujah. Amen.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope everyone understands what's been taught so far. Amen. This was a little technical, maybe. Amen. I've taught this several times, taught this over several years. Amen. But I also know that it doesn't matter um, how many times you think you taught something. If someone is hearing it for the first time, they need to hear it so it's understood. Amen. So I really hope this was um, taught in a way that um, this was explained in a way that brought forth understanding. Hallelujah. This is word for now. Hallelujah. Our Crystal Rivers expression. Um, currently, we're on this tangent talking about heritage and generations. Amen. Of tabernacle builders. Amen. We're going to finish this thought um, on Wednesday. So this is kind of like a cliffhanger I'm leaving us on. Amen. Intentionally leaving us on. Tomorrow is open book. Amen. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be super fun. Hallelujah. Don't forget. Hallelujah. That every day we have our prayer meetings, right? We have the morning watch every morning. Hallelujah. I'm so sorry. I was meant to take the morning watch yesterday. This morning, sorry. But I was so tired from the prayer stretch. Um, Sunday was not kind to me as far as like things I had to do. And I just, I slept. I slept through all the prayers. And I woke up in the early, still morning time, but not early. <laughs> and we have the afternoon watch at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Don't forget that the immersion, hallelujah, this immersion, Father of Lights, is coming up December 18th to the 21st, amen. And we are praying towards this every time. So if you haven't registered, please do. We're praying for the young people to be touched by the Lord, amen. And these prayers are happening every day during the afternoon watch. We're fasting every morning from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Please join us. You won't die if you fast food. It's discomfort. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it might even be painful, but I cannot imagine the the good you'd be doing for the lives of many young people if you would commit to this amen so the heart of every son and daughter of light cries abba father hallelujah and then we have a vigil this friday from 11 p.m to 2 a.m and that takes place during our prayer stretch amen at the cave where we'll be having our 70 hours of hanging out with the lord amen starting on thursday the 8th of december till the 11th at um, 6 p.m so 8 p.m on thursday till sunday at 6 p.m this has been worth for now. Pastor Francis Seaver sends his love and his greetings. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. I really hope you were blessed by this. Jesus loves you. Have a good night. <laughs>